Good morning. Welcome to our live stream. And to all you moms, happy Mother's Day. And I hope all you guys and kids are being good to your moms today. And uh, it's going to be a great day. I'm excited to have my in-laws are in town. And uh, Lydia and Josh are coming over a little bit later. And it's going to be just a wonderful day. And I'm very, very thankful for Laura. And I know many of you are surprised that she has actually stayed with me all of these years. And if I'm honest, so am I. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. I want to speak this morning, and and I feel bad for those who tune in 10 minutes late because they'll miss the whole introduction. But um, I want to speak to you today on the wise mother. The wise mother. We know that the book of Proverbs, and we've talked about it many times, identifies two people, a wise man and a fool. But there are actually three people that are identified. And that is the simple, and we'll see that in our text, the simple. And a simple person is someone who has not yet been instructed. They don't know uh, the truth. Then a fool is one who has established a pattern of rejecting instruction. You can't tell them anything. And then a wise man is one who embraces and follows good instruction. So you have the simple, that's the person who's not yet been instructed. And you also have the, the fool, that's the person that rejects. They've established a pattern of rejecting instruction. And uh, then the wise, and that is one who embraces good instruction. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, and let's start reading in verse 1, and then we'll pray. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, the job of mother, we understand, is so vitally important. And I know that moms, they have such a heavy task. And right now, with everyone at home all the time, Uh, The task might seem overwhelming, but what an amazing opportunity it is to teach our children. So, Father, today I pray that this will be a blessing to all, but most of all, that I honor your word and that you are glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that, um, and I doubt any of you are saying this, but I know that I have heard online how difficult it's been for parents to be at home with their children. And as we said, I think in our first uh, live stream, it would be an awful thing to raise children that you don't want to be with. And um, this message this morning, it's designed to be an encouragement to moms to help them um, and then to help them as they raise their children, as you ladies raise your children. And so I want you to see a couple of things. Look at verse 2. Let me set this up a little bit. So the only way that you can raise wise children is to be wise. Fools can't raise wise children. Simple, a simple person cannot raise a wise child. So this message is kind of a two-edged sword. This is moms, what you need to be and know, and then what you need to teach and require. What, what you need to be and know, and then what you need to teach and to require. I know that none of us want to, you know, our goal, you know, what do you want to see your kids be? Well, I want them to be homeless. I want them to be a loser. I want them to live in a van down by, our, by the river. That's not the goal that we have as parents, and certainly godly mothers don't have that goal. 
But the problem is there is so much worldly wisdom that is not wise. There is so much that we have caught that should never be taught. And it's vital that godly mothers understand what God has for them. And so if you're going to raise a wise child, of course, we go to the book of wisdom. And the the key book of wisdom in Scripture is the book of Proverbs. And in verse 2, notice what it says. This is the first thing I want you to see. So this is what you need to know and teach, all right? Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To know wisdom and instruction. And I'll mention this again. but my friend John Hawkins sent me his notes to something that he had preached years ago. I actually referenced this not too long ago. And his definition is one of my favorites for wisdom. It's skill for living. Skill for living. Wisdom is skill for living. And, of course, worldly wisdom is different than godly wisdom because uh, worldly wisdom will teach you to live like the world. Godly wisdom will teach you to live the way that God wants you to live. And there's a big difference. So wisdom is skill for living. Instruction is something interesting. So I went to Webster's 1828, and it's the act of teaching or informing the understanding in that of which it was ignorant. So instruction is you're teaching your children something they don't know. And so one of the things that, and we're going to cover this again in a minute, is moms, there are some things that you need to know in order to be able to instruct your children in these things. And some of it is common sense, but I think that we have seen, especially in this shutdown, that common sense isn't very common. You have people that are wearing masks to work out. And this might sound ugly. You've got to be really stupid to do that. When you're working out, you're expelling all kinds of toxins. You know, because that's one of the reasons you work out is to get that stuff out of you. It comes out of your pores, but it also comes out in your breath. And then if you have a mask on while you're doing that, you're breathing that back in. Uh, my, uh, someone just told me this week about two children in China that were required to exercise wearing masks, and they died from it. Common sense would tell you not to wear a mask when you're working out. So it's interesting how things that would be common sense are not common sense now. Uh, For example, um, Menards. I went to Menards the other day, and they made me put a mask on before I could go in. Well, for the first two months of this coronavirus, you didn't have to wear a mask there. Well, why would you have to wear a mask now? It's not common sense. It's dumb. It's, It's silly. It's foolishness. And so you have those kinds of things. If you have the virus, wear a mask so you don't spread it. If you don't have the virus, then don't wear a mask. You won't spread it. Um, common sense, right? Well, common sense is a common. People are crazy. They are crazy with what's going on. But then when you watch the way that people parent, the way that mothers interact with their children, so often what it looks like, and you'll watch a mother interacting with her teenage daughter, and what it looks like are two teenagers. They're bickering and arguing the way that two 13-year-olds would, rather than a mature mother and a child, a 13-year-old child who has been taught to receive wisdom. So the idea of instruction, it's imparting information that the one hearing it doesn't already know. And that's, that's in verse 2 again, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. But there's something that, that there's, there's another word there. There's instruction, and we've looked at that, but what does it mean to perceive? To perceive, that's where... You, it's, it's a physical thing that you're able to recognize. So if you're blind, it's difficult to perceive light and darkness because you can't see. Light and darkness, that's a physical reaction. You know when it's light, you know when it's dark. Um, I, was, uh, I worked at a clothing store in Chicago, and I probably told you this, but I had a customer 
who was the, the head of a major uh, art gallery on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And he was colorblind. Isn't that an unusual thing? And so they would bring, I sold the shirts and ties and all that stuff. So he'd buy suits and they'd bring the suits to me and I would put shirts and ties with the suits, but I would actually uh, clothespin, I mean clothespin, um, uh, safety pin uh, numbers to them. So he knew what shirt, what suit, what, with what suit and what tie because he couldn't tell the colors. He, he was physically incapable of discerning the colors to know what goes together. So here's the thing. Look at what the text says again. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. See, one of the things that a godly mother will be able to do is that because she has walked with the Lord, she perceives right and wrong. She perceives truth. And it's almost a physical reaction to untruth. You see, this is what we are to communicate to our children, to where it's more than just a mental exercise, that it's our whole being is trained to godliness. It's it's a fascinating thing. But then notice what it says, verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to know wisdom, to know. That is, you're certain of it. You know, we live in a time where, especially when it comes to issues of morality, right and wrong, truth, people are very uncertain. They're very uncertain. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible is true. Everything that God says about you and about your children, about the world around us, is true. So if you know God's Word, then you know how to be certain for your children. The Bible tells fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, how do you provoke your children to wrath? I I believe that the thing that will provoke your children to wrath more than anything else is inconsistency. Inconsistency. Because they, they're behaving in a way, and all of a sudden mom and dad are mad at it, and they're punished for it. But they've never been punished for it before. And then after the fact, they're allowed to continue doing it. Then all of a sudden, months later, they're punished for it again. What does that do? That raises uncertainty in the child. And, and that child, become, it lacks confidence. That child lacks confidence and assurance. The thing, probably the number one thing that you're supposed to provide your child is, is a safe, secure environment. Safety and security is more than keeping the outside uh, uh, thug from coming in and hurting them. Safety and security is keeping the outside world from coming in and hurting your child. Uh, keeping your child safe and secure is making sure that they know what to expect from mom and dad. That mom will discipline them the same way that dad does. Dad will discipline them the same way that mom does. What mom will accept is the same thing that dad will accept. What's unacceptable to mom is the same thing that is unacceptable to dad. That consistency allows the child to grow in security and a knowledge about what is right and what is wrong. What is behavior that will be encouraged? What is behavior that will be discouraged? I know these things. Well, if you don't know them, if you're not a consistent mature parent, then you cannot raise consistent and mature children to know wisdom and instruction. I love that, to know, to be certain of my information. So first of all is to know wisdom and instruction. That's what mom needs to do. Mom needs to know wisdom and instruction. Then number two, look at what it says. This is an interesting thing. To receive the instruction of wisdom, 
justice and judgment and equity. All right? To receive the instruction. To receive the instruction. Um, Oh, I want to say one more thing about the ability to perceive. When it says to perceive, this is at the end of verse 2, to perceive the words of understanding. This is the ability to recognize distinctions. It is careful to perceive and understand. We don't want to raise oblivious children. We want to raise perceptive children. And we're going to see some more about that in a minute. But to receive the instruction of wisdom. This is to allow instruction, to allow instruction. So there are two things. Wives, moms, you need to allow instruction from your husband. Your children need to see you receiving instruction from the person that God has placed in authority over you. And again, dads, that means that you need to know something, that you need to lead your family wisely. And it's such a wonderful thing for children to see a godly father lead a godly mother And then that godly mother is leading the children. Of course, the godly father is leading the children. But generally speaking, the mother is with the children more than the father. And so when the children see the mother receiving instruction and allowing herself to be led and taught while still being strong, capable, wise, godly, what does that teach your children? That they can be strong and godly and wise and capable and still receive instruction. There are people that you just can't tell them anything, and they're fools. They are fools. Your children should be simple. The Bible says we want them to be simple of evil. I want my children to be ignorant of evil. There's stuff that I don't want them to know, that I hope they never learn, that I hope never comes into their eye socket. I hope they they're never have to be exposed to it. I want them to be simple of evil, and I want to be as simple of evil as possible as an adult. But beyond that, I want my children who are simple to know how to receive instruction. And that is, they allow it. They allow it. They allow themselves to be taught. Um, uh, So many times, Lydia, she would say, um, I can do it. I can do it myself. I want to do it. I want to do it. Which is great, except when they don't know how to do it. And what that will do is it will cause harm to the child. Um, I remember we were playing some kind of card game, phase 10 or something, and at the house, and our nephew, uh, Justin Melissa's uh, boy, Cooper, was too little to play. And he, he walked up to the table, and he, he had kind of a speech impediment when he was little, and he said, uh, I play Todd's, I play Todd's, I know how to play Todd's. He didn't know how to play. He didn't know how to play at all. What's so funny is now I, it, it got, the little boy's a genius. He remembers every card he's got, every number, everything. So don't play Cooper in cards. But it, it's interesting. He thought he could do it, and he couldn't. Now, here's what I love. I, I loved Lydia's drive to want to do it herself. That's something that, that is good. You know, you have some people, and usually they end up homeless, right? They, they don't want to work. They don't want to do anything. I'm glad that Lydia had that drive and wanted to do it. Um, and yet, she needed to learn that there are some things... That's not time for her to do yet. And that's what a godly mother would instill. And so what we had to teach Lydia was, I'm glad that you want to do things, but you also need to learn how to be taught, how to be helped, how to be instructed. But a parent who's not willing to do that cannot teach that to their child. It's vital 
It's so important to know. So to allow instruction, that is to be easily taught and helped. To be easily taught and helped. But there are some specific things that you moms have to know in order to be able to teach. So I'm going to move away from emphasizing what you moms need to know to the flip side of it. So, so the, the assumption, the, the, the presupposition behind all of these things that you are to teach is that you already know them and are practicing them in your life so that you're not provoking your child to wrath, so that you're not causing your child to be frustrated. So what are some things that as a godly mother that you need to train your children in? So look at verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, of wisdom. So remember what wisdom is. Wisdom is skill for living, skill for living. We need to teach our children how to be wise. And moms, because you are with them, you are watching the decisions that they make. If they're trying to take a key and put it into a light socket, that's not wise. That is not wise. We need to teach our children how to make wise decisions. When they get money for their birthday or for Christmas or they get a gift, you need to teach them how to handle those finances. You need to teach them how to be wise with their money. And sometimes you do that when you have them at the store and they say, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you argue with them. They need to know before they go into the store that they're not allowed to ask for anything. They're not allowed to ask for anything. What are you doing? You're teaching them self-control. You're teaching them self-control. All right. That's just an illustration of that wisdom. But then notice what it says. It says to receive the instruction of wisdom. If you're teaching them to be wise and justice. What is justice? It's delivering appropriate responses. It's delivering appropriate responses. We think of justice in the negative way, but it's both. It's positive and negative. You teach them to react positively to good things, and you you teach them how to respond properly to negative things that come in. Justice. And just in a simple way, justice is when they do well, they get a good result. When they do poorly, they get a bad result. You're teaching them justice. Justice. Now, this is really important. Look at the next one. And obviously, could we talk more about justice? Yes. But you, you are punishing evil and you're rewarding good. That's justice. All right. But look at the next word. Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment. Judgment. Justice, looks, listen, justice, it can be a positive result or a negative result. Judgment is the negative result that comes from justice. When they do wrong, they need to fear the judgment of a godly mother. And I got to tell you, we do. Uh, I'll never forget, we had a friend. Uh, he's a little bit older than us, and uh, the, his family had gotten saved in our church in Connecticut. And he would just come into the house. He was there all the time. And one day he walked in and saw my mom and he said, uh, hi, Mrs. Alter, how are you doing? Uh, no, he, he said something like, what are you up to? And she said, I'm about to kill some kids. And she was coming in to discipline, probably me. Um, and I got to tell you, I was not uh, thrilled <laughs> with what was about to happen, I'm sure. We were afraid of my mother. And my mother was just the tiniest little thing, the tiniest little voice. But we feared her wrath, her judgment. And of course, dad scared us to death. But it's very important that you understand this. There was not a difference in what was expected from mom and from dad. I'm very thankful that we were raised that way. Judgment. We need to teach our child. Now, notice what it says. Look at verse 3. 
to receive the instruction of wisdom. Teach them how to receive the instruction of wisdom, how to receive the instruction of judgment, I'm sorry, of, of justice, and how to receive the instruction of judgment. And this is where you moms, let me give you some instruction here that I hope you will receive. When you punish your child, whether it's a, a, a 15-month-old, a 2-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 16-year-old, when they are receiving judgment, don't allow a bad attitude in it. See, and I think that this is a mistake. I, I think that a lot of our parents are doing well by requiring our, their children to obey. And I, I will say that if your children do not obey you, the first time, then you're messing up. If you've got a three or four-year-old and you tell them to do something and they refuse to do it, and you're constantly being required to repeat yourself, you're not doing a good job. You've not taught them to receive instruction. And here's the problem. They don't understand justice yet, and they don't fear judgment. You all get that? Does that make sense? I hope you're nodding your heads. They don't understand justice, and they don't fear judgment. And you cannot raise a godly child without giving them an understanding of justice and judgment. So when you're done judging that child, when you have disciplined that child and they have received negative consequences, well, their spirit needs to be changed. See, not only the behavior, not only that immediate behavior must be changed, but their spirit must also be changed. They need to understand repentance They need to understand that what they had done is wrong and will not be tolerated and will cause them trouble in the future. So now, of course, are you going to explain that to a two-year-old? Man, I hope not. I watch people trying to reason with two-year-olds, and I I want to spank the parent. All right? But you must be able to reason with your 12-year-old. You must be able to reason with your 14 or your 16-year-old. But they also must fear the judgment. And, listen... They must know how to receive the judgment. Yes, I deserve this. No, I'm not mad at you for judging me. I have watched children hit their parents after the parents discipline them. And there's no judgment for that. See, that child has not been corrected. Does that make sense? That child has not been corrected. So we teach them wisdom, skill for living, justice, delivering appropriate responses, uh, uh, judgment, understanding and being able to receive the information that what they had done caused the judgment. The judgment does not come because the parents are evil. The judgment becomes becomes based on the behavior of the child. Vital to understand this. All right, verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment. But look at what it says, and equity. And equity. What is equity? Basic fairness. It's basic fairness. This is, a, this is as opposed to principle. So it's fairness based on principle. Equity is fairness based on principle, not on favor. So we, all through the Bible, you see the problem with a, with a parent having a favorite child. They're having a favorite child. I mentioned Cooper earlier. My brother-in-law, Justin, when the boys were little, the three boys, he, at different times with each individual one, he'd tell them, you're my favorite. Don't tell your brothers, you're my favorite. I, I think that that's so sweet. Um, you know, we were, we were blessed. We had a boy and a girl. So I could tell Jacob, you're my favorite boy. And Lydia, you're my favorite girl. And we were just praying that Jacob wouldn't turn into the favorite girl. He's here not appreciating my humor. It's, it's, I cannot imagine 
disciplining my children differently because one is cute and one is not, or I prefer one's personality over the other. Now, we did have to deal with our children differently because they have different personalities. That's wisdom. But, and, and it's interesting, both, child, or both children at, at certain points felt like the other was the favorite. Both of them. I suppose that means we did a good job with that. Parents, moms, I suppose it is possible for you to like one child more than another. I suppose that that's human. That is the most awful and um, immature and selfish thing I may have ever heard in my life. I can't imagine being a parent who raises one child in favor and another child in disfavor. I'm trying not to get mad right now. I can't imagine anything more contrary to biblical equity than that. And so what are you supposed to do? Now, it is very possible that you have a child that is more strong-willed than the other child, and that child will frustrate you more than the other child. I understand that. But who, which, which, is, which person in your house is supposed to understand self-control more? You or the child? So this is where we are to practice long-suffering and patience and self-control. But I'll tell you this, if you will be consistent demonstrating justice to that child, that strong-willed child, you'll demonstrate justice to that child. Do you know what's going to happen in your house? You're going to have peace. You're going to have peace. We've told you before, Jacob responded more easily than Lydia did. But we had a house of peace. Lydia had a smile on her face almost all the time. Why is that? Because of the confidence and security that you have in the home. Were we perfect parents? No. Are the things that I wish I could have done better? Yes. Probably the biggest thing that I wish I had done better is I'm not good at talking to children. And so my communication wasn't always good with them. I had things that I wanted to say to them that I wasn't just not good at talking to small children. I do better talking to them as adults. But that, that, that's something I wish I could do better. But I promise you this. They got the same result. They got the same result from mom and dad. And I'm praying you moms that you can do that. Equity, fairness to operate by fairness to operate by principle, not based on favor. Now I want you to see this next one, verse four. What are you going to teach your children, moms? What is the wise mom going to teach? Number four, or verse four, to give subtlety to the simple. To give subtlety to the simple. I love this. So. Uh, I was trying to think, how can I communicate subtlety to you? Because we just looked recently at the subtlety of Satan, how he's bringing false doctrine in. I believe we looked at that Wednesday night. But here, we're supposed to teach subtlety to our children. What is it speaking of here? This is the ability to think and discern beyond what is obvious. The ability to think and to discern beyond that which is obvious. So, you moms, this is where you need to elevate your thinking and your discernment beyond the simplicity of what's going on. Now, it is a precious thing for a little child to count and to say their ABCs. I loved watching General Flynn's grandson, the, the thing that he posted after all the injustice that was done to him. And that little child is quoting the, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance with, with liberty and justice for all. 
I love that. What's he teaching his child? Even though he has received great injustice, he's teaching this grandchild the significance of, of knowing what our nation was founded on. I love that. I love that. I love it when a child is taught how to count, to know their ABCs. They're taught simple passages of Scripture. I love it when they know their colors. It's really sweet when a, when a little child who can't even talk yet is doing the animal sounds. You know, what does an elephant do? What does, a, what does a horse do? That's all really sweet, and I love that. Here's the problem. As children grow and they go through the education process, all that happens is the facts that they're able to regurgitate become more sophisticated or more complicated. So they learn that those letters come together to form words, and they learn phonetically what those combinations of letters sound like, and then they, they begin to learn to read. Do you know that there are a lot of folks, they have acquired many facts. They might be able to do well on an ACT or an SAT. These children, they, they have learned how to learn basic facts, and yet these same people have absolutely no understanding, no subtlety, no judgment. You see, you need to learn to teach your child to see more than what is obvious. Let me give you an example. Fashion. Um, our, our children will want to look like their heroes. Well, sometimes the people that are heroes in the world, well, we, as a Christian, we don't really want our child to look like that. So what do you have to do? You don't just say you can't wear that. Now, if you've raised a child to respond properly and you said that, that child ought to respond properly to that. I don't know that that's a fair way to raise your kids. You need to tell them why. You know, when I was young, um, Madonna was a big thing. And any of you who know what Madonna was representing at that point, it was, it was anti-God, anti-Christian, it was immorality. And so she had a style of dress that was being affected by many people. And a godly parent would say to their daughter, you know what, I don't think that's the lifestyle that you want to represent in your dress. Let's look at this. Let me talk to you about it, why it's wrong. So what is that? It's teaching your child subtlety. Subtlety. And, and young men, there are so many ways that we could talk about this. Um, it, it's funny, if, if the teenagers were here, I would ask them what music they shouldn't be listening to. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any of the modern music. But in the rap culture, um, the words that are used, the way that girls are described in that rap culture, well, that's just the opposite of the way that a godly young man ought to look at young ladies. Do I have to explain that? I think that everybody understands that. So what do you need to do? You need to teach your child that subtlety to say, look, this is not good. We need to keep away from this. I don't want these patterns of thought to be established in your mind. So specific instruction, wisdom, that's skill for living, justice, that's delivering appropriate responses, equity, that's fairness, and it's learning to operate by principle, not based on favor, and judgment, and then subtlety. This is the ability for, for you moms to teach young men knowledge and discretion. Notice what it says, verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple and, uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion. Um, there's no reason for our children to be ignorant. And our children need to learn how to be discreet. What is discretion? 
Um, the Bible says a fool utters all his mind. A, a, a child that learns to be discreet, so you, you ought to teach your children, don't talk to people about what goes on in our house. That's, that's private. Don't talk about those things. Now, not because we're doing something in our house that would be ungodly, but because those things are private. That's, that's learning to be discreet. Because of social media, um, people publicize things that they ought to be embarrassed about. Do you all know what I'm talking about? They publicize things that they ought to be embarrassed about. Uh, maybe this is the, that this being able to teach a young man or a young lady discretion, that might be more important today than at any point in human history. Does that make sense? Um, young people, and I'm sure your parents have taught you this, anything that you put online is there forever. So you do something silly when you're 17 and post it, well, you're going to be trying to get a job when you're 22, and they're going to look at your social media history, and they might not hire you based on that. That'd be a bad result. Would you all agree with that? That'd be a bad result from silly and, and indiscreet behavior. But here's a worse result. Here's a worse result. You violate your own faith. You violate the faith. You, you embarrass your parents. You embarrass your family. You embarrass your church. And you bring reproach on the name of Christ. See, this is why we need to teach our children discretion. And that means that we need to be discreet. Um, so what is discretion? Discretion is the ability to assess a situation or a person accurately, quickly, and decide accordingly. Let me say it again. It's the ability to assess a situation or purpose or person accurately and quickly and decide accordingly. Um, man, I know that all of us men know what it was like to be in high school and to see the girls swooning over somebody that we all knew was a loser. That's interesting. And basically for me, whether the guy was a loser or not, he was probably cool and I wasn't, and so I was jealous. But it's, does it shock you all that I wasn't cool? <laughs> no. So the, this discretion, teaching your children discretion, it's the ability to discern what is important in the character of their friends. Vital. It's vital for them to know that. They're not fooled or confused as to what to do. We live in a culture full of confused young people. Why? Because older people failed to learn these things when they were young. Let me say that again. We live in a culture full of confused young people because their parents failed to learn these things when they were young. So to raise wise children, we need to teach them some things. Look at verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So here are the things that you need to teach your children. It's a very simple list. You parents, I hope that you'll take verse 5, and this will be your, your outline for raising godly children. You moms, put this on your refrigerator to help you to remember what you're supposed to be doing. Teach them to hear. If you speak to your children and they don't respond, you need to thump them on the head. They need to learn how to hear, how to hear. And a good way to teach them to hear is to grab hold of their ear. Did your mom ever do that? They're going to help you. Because when someone tugs on your ear, it doesn't feel good. Teach them to hear immediately. Isn't that a strange thing to teach your child? To hear. How many of you have the ability to hear? Yeah, you have the ability to have the, the, the sound waves come into your head 
And however all of that works, your tympanic membrane starts to vibrate. And through the nerve system, that's put to your brain. And your brain has the capacity to process those vibrations or those signals. You have all of that. That's not what it's talking about. You can't teach a deaf person to hear. If your child has the capacity to take those sounds in, they must also have the capacity to respond. We required our children to answer us. I'd yell, Jacob, and he'd say, yes. Or he'd say, yes, and start coming immediately. That was the training we gave them. We wanted them to respond to our voice. Why? If Jake's outside playing and there's danger coming, I want to just be able to say, Jacob, and he can immediately respond to me. There's so many children that have died because their parents never taught them how to respond. It's very simple. Teach them to hear. That's what it says, to teach them to hear. Remember, this is on your refrigerator. Moms, teach your children to hear. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase in learning. What is that? Well, you've never arrived. You're not done learning. I, honestly, my whole life, I try to learn something every day. I try to learn many things every day. That's the way that we have tried to raise our children, to learn things every day. Teach them to learn. Now, children learn in different ways. We... That some, some of them they learn through hearing, some of them learn through reading, some of them they need to be touching those things. So what is parent, as parents, what do we need to do? Do all of those things. Moms do all of those things. Teach them to increase in learning. And then you, you folks, stop. We waste so much time on frivolous things. I love it that God has brought to Grace Baptist Church ladies that are constantly growing in information constantly coming, say, Pastor, where can I read here? Where, what can I read next? They go to the husband and say, what, what can I learn next? Where, should, where can I improve? Man, if you're doing that, your children will see that, and they will improve. You need to require excellence from your children to hear, to increase in learning. Then look at what it says. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding. You teach them to understand. How do you do that? Well, they hear, and you give them instruction and if they don't understand it, what do they say? Man, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I'm not following what you're telling me here. What is that? That's wisdom. One way that you can know whether or not your children are hearing you is if they ask questions. If your children, if you're raising children that never ask you questions, uh, it, I know it's a frustrating thing for you. You'll, you'll ask your child, what did you learn in Sunday school? And uh, they'll say, I don't know. Nothing. I don't know. That's, you're not raising a child that has learned to hear and understand. Conversation with your child is so important. Teaching them understanding. Um, and remember, you don't really know something until you can tell it to somebody else. So one of the best ways to do that is to talk to your children and have them explain what you want. Have them say back to you what you're expecting. And what will happen is you'll start to recognize a disconnect between what's coming out of your mouth and what's coming out of their mouth. They don't understand what you're saying. That's not their fault. That's your fault. So this is where conversation, talking to your children, is so vitally important. And they can't get that at school. One of, the, one of the desires, one of my goals, would be for parents during this time to have been with their children. And I hope that it shows you that you can homeschool. It is possible for you to teach your children at home. And I hope that you'll do that. But even some of you parents who choose not to homeschool, you need to understand that they're gaining information at school. They're not gaining understanding. They're gaining is at school. They're not gaining ought. Understanding is ought. Because of this truth, what ought I to do? 
That has to come from mom and dad. It comes from the Word of God through mom and dad and, of course, through church. So, to raise wise children, they must be taught to hear to or to increase learning, to understand. But then I love this. Look at verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. This is interesting. Now, this is your child's going to get older. And a wise child will attain unto wise counsels. So it's interesting. Uh, I try... Well, you remember, you've heard me say this before, never take advice from a loser. My friends... The people that I have come to value in my life are really smart. And I have friends that are experts in their field. So like Lawrence Vance is coming here in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's, I believe it's May 31st. It's the last Sunday in May. He's going to be preaching for us here all day on Sunday. So he's, he's one of the greatest living experts on the history of the English Bible in the world and he's he's brilliant in so many ways. Man, I value that man as my friend. And it's fun when I'm studying and I come across something I don't understand and I read the so-called experts that I have a friend who is the expert that I can call and get counsel from. If I were an idiot, Lawrence Vance wouldn't talk to me. Now, I'm not anywhere near his level of intellect or even labor in the subject. And yet... I have proven myself to, to not be a fool because when he tells me stuff, I receive it. All right, that's just an, There's been lots of times in my life where I didn't do that, and I'm not trying to hold myself up as an example of wisdom. That's the last thing I want to do. But the idea is that if you raise your children to receive instruction, you give them understanding, they start to get these character traits. Do you know what's going to happen? They're going to have access to wise people. And those wise people will give them good counsel for their future. I wrote this down. To gain access to wise people, wise people do not spend time with fools. Wise people, successful people, do not spend time with fools. Why? It's a waste of their time. But wise people love to invest in young people that can hear, that can understand, that can discern, that want to increase in knowledge. Um, so we did homeschool our children, and uh, Jacob got to where his math skill uh, and what he was wanting to go to was far past what Laura or I could do. So we hired a tutor that understood those things. It was Yvonne Arling who understood math. And what did we do? We helped our children to get to people that can help them. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. I think one of the great goals of every parent is ha to have your children pass you. That's our goal. That's our goal. Um, and pray for Jacob because he, right now I believe he's feeling like he can never do that with me. He's just shaking his head at me right now. In math and all of those skills, he is so, he's, he's way past me. But at 57 years old, I can't believe I'm saying that now. Wednesday, I turned 57. At 57 years old, I hope that I've gained some wisdom that he's not attained to yet. And if he's wise, even though he's learning things so far beyond anything that I know in his field, computers and all of that math, that he still... Uh, uh, wants to desire that wisdom. 
And I know this, that Laura has wisdom for Lydia and Jacob both, even though they're both adults now. That Laura, as a godly wife, as a godly mother, has wisdom for those children that they need. Um, Michelle and and Paul, my in-laws, are at the house right now. And Michelle still has wisdom that Laura needs, that Melissa, her sister, needs. This is the way that God planned it. And the only way that that will continue to happen is if Michelle continues to grow, continues to gain wisdom, and continues to gain knowledge. And she continues to learn to hear and to receive instruction. And we never want to stop. We have never attained. We've got to continue growing, moms. So we're not growing moms. Moms need to continue growing. All right, so to hear, to increase learning, to understand, to gain access to wise people. But then look at verse 6. This, now, see, it's not, it's not the end of the, of the sentence in verse 5. Verse 6, to understand a proverb. To understand a proverb. Proverbs, what, what is this? This is maturity. It's full understanding. It's when they get instruction, when your child gets instruction from the Scripture, that here's what they say. I get it. Oh, I understand now. I understand why God said that. I get it. And the maturity is understanding that. And then because this is written, you know, 3,000 years ago, these Proverbs, they look at it and they say, yeah, the language isn't exactly what I'm dealing with right here. But I understand that proverb so well that now I know how to take that godly, biblical knowledge, truth, wisdom, understanding, and apply it to my current situation to understand a proverb and its interpretation. That's what the Bible says. To understand a proverb, proverbs require interpretation. And what is that? That's a demonstration of subtlety. It's subtlety. I can look at the words. I can understand the words. I can compare those words to the rest of the words in the Bible. I can understand the biblical doctrine, the truth, the understanding. And then I can take that and put those on as my glasses and look at the world and live in the world as a godly young man godly young woman, because I had a mom that taught me how to do those things. That's what we need. So, conclusion, every Baptist's favorite word. In conclusion, three people in the Bible, the simple, that's the one who's not yet instructed. All of us, we are all simple about something. The one who's not yet instructed. The fool, that's one who has established a pattern of rejecting instruction he has heard. So remember, you parents, some of you parents, you're raising fools. You allow your children not to answer. You allow your children to ignore you. You allow them to disobey you. You tell them you should tell them one time. After that, there's punishment. Not a repetition, there's punishment. Immediate obedience is the only acceptable response. If you don't do that, you're allowing them to establish patterns of foolishness. All right? The Bible says that foolishness has to be driven from the heart of the child with the rod. So, the first person is the simple, one who's not yet instructed. The second person is the fool, one who has established a pattern of rejecting instruction he has heard. And, of course, the third person is the wise man, one who embraces and follows good instruction. So here's my last two comments. The simple and the fool often look alike, but the simple can learn and become wise. The simple and the fool, they they look alike, but when it's a three-year-old, that's simple. When it's a 15-year-old, that's tragic. So... The simple and the fool can look alike, but the simple can learn and become wise. So what do you do if you have raised a fool? 
Or if even you as a mom, you've been foolish. What do you do? Well, you need to repent. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? Uh, we were on the Baptist history tour, and there was a guy who was writing books on Baptist history, and he was holding on to really a false view of doctrine. And whenever this preacher asked him, well, have you looked at this? Have you, have you looked at this problem with John the Baptist and those things? And he would, he would continually say, well, I've not studied that yet. I've not studied that yet. Finally, this preacher looked at him and said, how long are you going to stay stuck on stupid? Look at what this says. Verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye, look at, love simplicity. And the scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. That's what God wants us to do. What does the word turn mean? Repent. Repent. So here's what you need to do. If you have raised a child and allowed them to disobey you, you need to, you need to repent. You need to, to apologize to your child and say, I'm not going to allow you to live this way. Um, this is going to help you. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard because I've allowed you to establish patterns, but we're going to fix that. And then you as, an, as a parent, you're going to be loving. You're going to be consistent. You're going to be equitable. You're going to be just, but your judgment is going to be feared. You see, we as parents, we can change too. And if we'll change, we can help our children. So moms, I hope you have a great Mother's Day. Um, but the most important thing that any of us can ever do is to repent of our sin before a righteous and just God. You see, because of God's justice, He must judge sin. But because of His equity, Jesus Christ came and died for everyone. He died for all of you. And all of your sin can be forgiven equally. Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. And if you'll place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, believing only in His death, burial, and resurrection, believing that He is God, that you're not, that there's no other way to go to heaven than to place your faith and trust in Him. If you'll ask Him to save you, He will. Recognizing your baptism can't save you, your church membership can't save you, your good works can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Repent. You know, some of you moms, maybe the reason that you're not able to raise godly children is you're not saved. Wouldn't it be great for mom to get saved today? What a wonderful thing that would be. But let's all of us, moms, dads, children, let's, be, uh, let's hear the Word of God, let's understand the Word of God, let's receive the Word of God, let's use our subtlety to understand the words, let's take that and apply it to our lives so that we can attain unto wise counsel. Let's be godly people in this world. And moms, I pray that you'll be able to raise godly children. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to give. Don't forget to pray for each other. And next Sunday morning at 1030, let's all gather together here at Grace Baptist Church. We're reopening Grace Baptist. And I can't wait to see you one service next week at 1030 in the morning. I look forward to seeing you then. Before that, Wednesday night, Bible study. We're going to have a great time in God's Word, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Thanks for being with us today. Lord bless you.